With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hello and welcome to the NUFC broadcast after a record-breaking away win for Newcastle in the Premier League. And do you know what, Ollie? This is actually our 50th show. You did, oh, I don't brilliant. think you knew that. So what a way to celebrate our 50th show than to talk about an 8-0 drubbing of Sheffield United amongst a bunch of other things. So we're going to talk about that, all of it, on the NUFC broadcast. <laughs> Ollie, after what some people might have called a sort of stuttering start to the season, how good does that win feel? Yeah, it's 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 quite surreal, isn't it? Like, I mean, I know last season we were capable of putting four or five past teams, and I think there was like way games at West Ham, for example, where I think we got five, and we knew, we know we have it in us to blow teams away. But like you said, this season started a little bit slowly in terms of clicking in the attacking third. But what a way to respond to that! I mean. It's, when I did that recording, I know a couple of days ago you weren't able to, to come on. I know you've just got back from Greece and stuff like that. But two of the pre-match questions I kind of put to to listeners and in the in the sort of recording I did was physically, can we be at it after playing away at Milan on Tuesday? Mentally, can we sort of refocus and come down from the high of the San Siro and go to Sheffield United and, and obviously sort of put in the performance we need to beat them? And then last of all, I said, can we finally click in the final third? Because while some of the criticism of our start was a little bit over the top, I think it was fair to say that against Brentford, against Milan, we didn't really, it wasn't the normal normal Newcastle in terms of the final third and, and creating chances and having that intensity to blow teams away. So all three questions I had sort of going into the game were answered pretty emphatically, to say the least, weren't they? So, so yeah, absolutely incredible. And just, there's just so many positives, isn't there, going from that game? I mean, the result in itself is a massive one, but there's just so many other little things we can take away from that, which just yeah. give it's just the end of a perfect week, really, isn't it? Because well, maybe not perfect because we didn't beat Milan, but it's pretty much perfect, isn't it? Um well it's a bit slight, slightly annoying that I went all the way to Milan and didn't see a goal and then we come back and we score eight. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not gonna complain. I'm not gonna complain. No. I mean I mean, yeah, a record breaking uh win for us. Uh, well we equal uh, an eight nil win in the Premier League, but away from home that's a record breaking win. And eight different scorers, a Premier League record. Yeah, I, I saw that. I was writing in my match report that I found out the last time 
any team had got eight different scorers in the game was in 1989 when Liverpool did it. But obviously the Premier League wasn't, sort of Premier League as we know it now, wasn't formed then. So yeah, the first time in Premier League history, eight different scorers. I know another start, Kieran Trippier got three assists in a game, which is he's only the fourth Newcastle player to do that. Um, in the Alan St. Maximan did it, didn't he? Didn't yeah, he do it a couple of years ago? St. Maximan against Bournemouth three years ago. There was Andy Cole in 94 against West Ham. And believe it or not, Musa Sissoko against Norwich. It was that game where Van Aldum scored four, wasn't it? He did. He scored four. Yeah, I remember that. So yeah, Trippier's only, only the fourth player to do that. I mean, another another stat while we're on it, Callum Wilson's now the fifth top scorer in Premier League history for Newcastle, which, I mean, that just sums up how brilliant he's been for us. And I've looked as well. His minutes per goal record, 103, 100, sorry, 134 minutes per goal. Only Andy Cole had a, has a better goals to minutes record for Newcastle um, wow. in the Premier League. So that that just shows. I mean, and in fairness, Wilson will be kicking himself that he didn't better that. Yeah, because, he, he should have got two or three, really. Yeah, the in the first half, I mean, you don't want to be too critical. He won 8-0. But I know Wilson in his post-match interview with Sky was kind of saying, oh, man, I'm, I should have got more than, more than one. But yeah, he... Had a few chances in the first half. There was one Gordon played and he was sort of clean through and it was just a bit of a team effort. And then he should have also got a penalty. I mean, maybe the goal that stood, uh, the one Gordon set up for Longstaff was dubious with the handball, but Gordon was brought down by Bogle, wasn't he, in the first half? I'm not sure how that wasn't given. But um, so, yeah, we can't complain. But from Wilson's perspective, he could have even bettered that 134 um, 134 minutes per goal record. So, um so yeah, and he's close. He, if, I mean, looking at the looking at the record at the minute, he's only. Let me just double check this. I think he's only a couple of goals away from being the second top scorer in Premier League history. He's got, he's on forty two goals. We've got Andy Cole on forty three, Shola Amiobi on forty three, and Peter Beardsley on forty six. So he's he's what five goals away from being the second top scorer of uh, of go. all Premier League history for Newcastle, which. He's, I'm not sure he's going to match Alan Shearer, but uh, it's some going, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's some going, yeah. I mean, and let's, you know, let's not be, um, it's worth saying, isn't it? Sheffield United were absolutely woeful. Um, they were. <laughs> and they gave the ball away so much. We we managed to play through them and field so easily. Um, yeah. And then we just kept getting these situations where we'd had three on three or four on three. Or yeah. So... I mean, I remember in the match report I was writing, I sometimes kind of write it as I go along in, in part and, one observation I was making early on was, like you say, we were getting in behind that midfield so much, but actually in the first sort of 10, 15 minutes, we weren't actually making the most of getting in behind it. There was a few little sloppy passes in behind or moments where it was just that final ball, which was the difference between getting us clear on goal. But to say we made up for that and started uh, making the most of it and punishing them was was an understatement, wasn't it, in the end? so uh, mm. And I think one thing as well, I mean, there was actually two chances for Sheffield United early on at the back post. Luke Thomas down there left. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously the game wasn't remotely close in the end, but there was one really big block from Trippier, I thought, early on, which who knows if that goes in. I'm not saying suddenly we uh, we don't win because, I mean, if if the game had panned out anything like it did, I'm, I'm sure we would have broken them down. But if they do score early on, it is a different game. You can't deny that. So Kieran Trippier came up trumps at both ends, didn't he? He did. I mean, I, I just I tweeted yesterday after the game, you know, is he the second best right back in in the Premier League after Walker some people say even the best i mean he's 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 backed up an elite defensive performance against AC Milan with an elite attacking performance and you yeah. know you look at people like Trent who's really good attacking but his questions defensively you look at Carl Walker who sometimes has got you know questions kind of defensively and well less so as defensively actually attacking wise he can't put a cross in is the is the no. saying but yeah, he's I kind guess. of changed that recently so it trippier all round you can see why 
good managers like Gareth Southgate absolutely love him, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not it's not just for, like you say, his quality at both ends of the pitch, but also his leadership. I mean, the fact we brought him in for 12 million and what he's given us in terms of pound for pound signing, not just sort of the start of of this new era where he was the first player to believe in the project and get behind it and, and, and obviously offer that leadership and, and develop sort of de- help develop younger players there. But on and off the pitch, what he gives us. But but you're right in terms of comparing right backs. I mean, yes, Trent Alexander-Arnold has a wand of a right foot, could score free kicks, can whip in crosses, can play cross-field passes all day long. But defensively, he's not on Trippier's level. And as you as, as you said yesterday, Trippier's quality from open play and from set pieces was up there with with what you see from Trent Alexander-Arnold. So, so yeah, I think, I think there is an argument to say he's the best right back in the Premier League, certainly on that form. I mean, he's gone from sort of shutting out Rafael Leao at the San Siro to then getting a hat-trick of assists at Sheffield United. It's uh, Yeah, he's, he's aging like a fine wine, isn't he? He is. He is. He's aging like a fine wine. Love that. Um, and, and the calls for calm, you know, from from sections of the Newcastle fan base, including our podcast, justified, right? Like, you know, we have... We've said it, but it was it was mad to be. There were some fans. It was a small minority, but questioning Eddie Howe, acting like he we needed an elite manager. Some tweets were saying, "What well, we, yeah. we, you know, he's found his level, and we need to move on now." And thanks, Eddie, but bye. I mean, we've had the hardest start in the Premier League. We've said it time and time again: Villa, yeah. City, Liverpool, Brighton. They are top top teams. Now we've gone to the San Siro, got a draw, and we've just won eight nil against the teams we should be beating. And and this is where we can kick on, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, going back to the sort of those, those calls for calm, I think obviously, like you said, me and you both said it on the podcast a few weeks ago, and I think it's always worth saying that it was definitely the minority of fans who were getting carried away both after the Liverpool defeat, which we said at the time, it was pretty unprecedented losing two late goals against 10 men. But after the Liverpool game, there was sort of mini meltdowns on social media and that wasn't helped by then an equally poor um, result against Brighton the week after. But as we've said, these are tough games and and yes, it's unlike Newcastle who only sort of lost, was it five times all of last season and obviously started this with, with three straight defeats, but there was no need for people to start getting carried away. There was no need for TalkSport who fed off at the odd comment from a Newcastle fan and suddenly made a made a sort of show. Oh, that's, on, a, that's unlike them. That's unlike oh, them. Oh yeah, very unlike <laughs> them. Take what a minority of fans are saying and make it into a sort of a national story and try and push an agenda which shouldn't even exist. I mean, that's... Yeah, you're right. Classic talk sport. But I just love how that debate now is just being shut down. I mean, I heard Simon Jordan a couple of a week or two ago saying that he, he was actually right in what he said. I know a lot of what he says can be rubbish, but he was saying that this discussion around how and is his job at risk and do they need better? He said that shouldn't even be a debate. And he doesn't even want that being a debate that comes back every time Newcastle lose or put in a poor performance. And what I love about this this sort of week we've just had, but in particular the Sheffield United win is that should suddenly or, or surely shuts up any sort of debate around Eddie Howe because it was it was the minority, but it was frankly ridiculous that anyone in the national media would bring up the debate around who is is how the answer for Newcastle because you don't spend 18 months getting absolutely incredible results, changing the style of football, making us the joint best defence in the Premier League, getting us back to the Champions League and getting a getting into a cup final. And then after a couple of games against some of the best teams in the league, you suddenly question his credentials. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that both the players and Eddie Howe have, have, have had a week where they've just absolutely shut down any talk of him um, not being up for the job because it was and just I think, ridiculous. Yeah, I think after six games, nine points, if you offered me that at the start of the season, I would have taken it because the fixture list was 
truly awful. Yeah, <laughs> I would have said, was. yeah, we'll take it. And we're, we're point again, points per game. We are better off this stage of the season uh, this year than we were last year. So we're doing better than we were at this stage last year. Yeah, We, we, we mean, tend to forget that. I think we've completely forgotten that. I, I totally agree. And I, and I found it laughable as well before the game. Paul Merson, who again, I'm probably naming people who shouldn't even get airtime here, but he said before the Brentford game, that was a must win. He said before the Sheffield United game, it was a must win. And as you've just said there, based on our points at this stage of last season, where the, the fixtures were actually easier last season, um, we were we were going to be level even if we got a point against Sheffield United. So how does how is it a must win when last season we finished fourth? And even with a point at Sheffield United, we would have matched last season's tally, where obviously we went on to get fourth. So so yeah, all those overreactions and Again, this isn't criticising those who were critical of the, the Liverpool result or the Brighton result, but some of those sort of overreactions to to Eddie Howe or to the team, I just love how they've been shut down. And Yeah, there's a, there's a difference, isn't there, between criticising individual things like, oh, he shouldn't have made that, that, that substitution there or maybe he's played the wrong team there or we've set up in the wrong way there. That's fine. You've, yeah. you've got to be able to criticise a manager and, and say maybe he's got it wrong. Usually they've probably got it right and we've got it wrong because they know more about football than us, but you can say those things. There's a difference between that, which is fine, and the small minority of fans who are going further than that and saying, oh, it's because he's not good enough. It's because he doesn't know what he's doing. It's because we need to change. It's because we need yeah. to sack him. We need to get Mourinho or something. You know, It's yeah. just, there's a difference. And I think that can that also sort of goes on an individual basis as well because... Don't get me wrong, Dan Burns is a prime example. There sometimes is a debate to be had of, oh, should Lewis Hall start certain Premier League games where we might want to go and attack a team? That's fine, because there is a moment for maybe a more defensive left back to be taken out of the team and someone like Lewis Hall come in. But those who, I mean, there's some people who sit around me at the game at St. James's Park, and I've heard people saying like, oh, he should never play for us again. He's awful, Dan Burns. Oh, I don't know how he's even calls himself a footballer. And some of these ridiculous comments about someone who comes in, we know he's not amazing going forward, but he does a great job defensively. And it's just that balance. And that's the, sometimes on social media is a good example. There's not really that balance in certain debates. And um, and I love how Dan Byrne sort of silenced those questioning why he was selected as well. Because obviously, not just another clean sheet, our third straight clean sheet, but a goal for him as well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, another point as well, which uh, I was thinking going into the game, um, this was obviously our first Premier League game following a midweek match in the Champions League. And yeah, obviously there's been questions about we're not really clicking in the final third. Yes, we beat Brentford, but it wasn't always convincing. It was a bit of an ugly win. And so we not only had to see how we could respond to sort of a lack of um, cohesion in the final third, but also see how we'd cope in a winnable game just a few days after the Champions League. So I think it's really impressive the way we just blew them away. I know we've said how bad Sheffield United were, but... I think that's really good for the confidence and 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 sort of uh, it's obviously a new challenge for us, isn't it? Playing it in the Premier League a couple of days after being away in the San Siro and competing in, in a tough Champions League group. So I think that's a really good confidence boost for the squad then that we can sort of bounce back physically, mentally from what was a really sort of exciting but probably quite draining game in midweek at Milan. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, what a win. Very, very happy, as everyone listening will be. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about a few other bits, including Anthony Gordon's Man of the Match performance. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, Ollie, it's a funny one, wasn't it? Because Man of the Match was a substitute who came on. And it's and I guess, yeah. let's first of all, Harvey Barnes, what's he done? Have we got any news on, on how long he'll be out for? Yeah, so that was the only real negative from the game, wasn't it? I mean, in a way, the fact he came off and the fact Gordon came on and, and I mean, he was just the best player on the pitch. That it's ended up sparking what was just us running riot. But at the same time, not good news for Barnes to come off. So Eddie Howe, after the game, said it doesn't look too good. I think he had a toe problem. He pu- he pushed off and felt something in his toe. The early signs are there's probably an injury there, but we don't know what it is at this moment. So the fact he said it, it doesn't look too good and that he felt something kind of go is a bit of a worry. I know it's a, his toe, which might seem quite minor, but at the end of the day, if there's a problem there, that's what you're running on. That's what you kick a ball with. So hopefully that isn't one that keeps him out for any length, but it's not a great timing, is it? Because we've got we've just had a busy run. We've just had sort of Brentford, Milan, Sheffield United all in the space of seven, eight days. And now we've got Man City on Wednesday, uh, Burnley again on Saturday. And then next week is uh, the Champions League again. So um, at a time where we've already got left-sided players like Joe Linton and Joe Willock injured and probably likely to return after the international break. It's not it's not great timing, is it, for Barnes to get injured? So, And I felt for him as well. It was only his second sort of start since he, since he signed over the summer and he must have been looking at that 8-0 thinking if it was anything like that while he was on the pitch, he might have had a field day. So, um, so yeah, it's a bit of a concern there and the only real negative from the game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only real negative. But, but you know, Anthony Gordon comes on and absolutely dominates. He's electric, isn't he? Oh, it was incredible. I mean, one thing that I thought was arguably the most impressive thing about his performance was... I said in the pre-match podcast that I did that he, he probably needed a rest because he gave everything against Brentford. He looked a little bit, well, he did look tired at the at AC Milan and he was brought off there um, in the second half. And you just thought this is the game where he probably needs a rest. He needs to be taken out of the team, not because he was struggling, but just because, you know, you don't want to risk an injury. He, look, he looked like he was tiring. And the fact he then came on after 10 minutes and was that energetic, was the best player on the pitch, just shows to me how his fitness levels have have just gone through the roof since since he sort of was away at the Euros with the under England under twenty ones in the summer and obviously he's come back in incredible condition, hasn't he? So the fact he was due a rest but put in that performance for what the eighty minutes that followed is uh is, is one of the most impressive things to me. But yeah, he was just electric, wasn't he? Yeah, he was electric and you know 
he's just got better and better as the season's gone on a little bit. I mean, you think we spent 45 million on him and some people said, oh, what are you spending 45 million on him for? You look at Man United and they've got Anthony and Jadon Sancho, who they spent about 170 yeah. million combined on. Who One of them's under, under police investigation, the other one's training with the under-21s. What a bargain. Gordon, eh? 45 million. He's, he, 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 at the moment, I don't know what team would turn him down to get into their at least squad, you know, to be this yeah, electric I mean... player off the bench. When someone I mean, I like Barnes goes down, he comes on and does that. I know he'll be wanting to do this on more of a consistent basis to get in England, sort of in, in the England side. But if he continues anything like what he's done recently, I mean, Gareth Southgate will be will be loving what he's seeing, won't he? I mean, he's so quick, he's so direct. And there's some wingers who have pace, but they don't then have the movement and the intensity behind that to make them more of a pest for, for fullbacks. But that's exactly what Gordon's doing. He's absolutely rapid, but he's so direct. His movement's great. As soon as he releases the ball, he's he's on his bike and he's trying to run in behind. He's, he's sort of mentality as well. When I watch interviews with him, um, I sort of after the game, he always seems to speak with like a lot of maturity and he seems very ambitious in terms of how much he wants to improve and learn and um and his work rate as well. I know he's given away some silly fouls and he's he's one booking off a one game ban actually because of that. He's already got four yellow cards. So that but that in itself, I wouldn't want to take away from him. That that intensity and he's got that like dog in him, hasn't he? That he, he fights back for the ball. And um, ironically, that's a part of that is why we didn't like him when he was at Everton because he was a bit dirty and people didn't really like that side. But now he's at Newcastle and he's given that. And he's our he's all. our modern Craig Bellamy. Yeah, yeah he's, everyone uh... everyone everyone hates him if he's not on your team. But when he's on your team, you love him. <laughs> when we when we first signed him, Dan, I know you obviously had that bad reputation of sometimes was diving, looked a bit dirty, and obviously. When he when he came to St James's Park for Everton, he went like head to head with like Trippier and Shaw, didn't he? So that that got him sort of hated even more by Newcastle fans. But when we paid that much money for him, obviously we were buying potential. But the one thing I hoped that I, I knew we had the pace, I knew we had the work rate, and I thought those two things are a perfect blend for an Eddie Howe player, especially when you're young and willing to learn. But one thing I really wanted him to see him do was improve his sort of output. And obviously he was very young at Evans, so you can't expect him to be delivering big numbers and goals and assists, but just to the, for the start of this season, he's already got an assist against Villa with that cross for Tonali, a goal against Liverpool where he was put clean through and slotted past Allison. Um, he won the penalty against Brentford, so I know that's not classed as an assist, but it, it is really, isn't it? And then he's obviously got a goal and an assist against Sheffield and should have, um, should have won the penalty and should have got another assist with some of the chances he created for for Callum Wilson. So what were, were what five games into the season now when he's already got um. He's already got five kind of goal involvements. So, mm. um, so yeah, it's just absolutely quality to see how he's done. Um, sorry, we're six games into the season. But anyway, six games in, involved in five goals. It's it's really good going, isn't it? It's superb, yeah. And I don't, I, to be honest, I don't know how Harvey, you know, Har- Anthony Gordon is first choice now. He, you know. Oh, yeah, he's got to be. He's got to be. But I think a few other things as well. Like, I know, I know obviously there's just a massive list of positives to run through from this game, but sort of just... Aside from Anthony Gordon, the fact we've got three straight clean sheets is massive. I think after the Brighton game, there was a stat popped up on Sky that we got two clean sheets in our last 22 games. We've now got three straight clean sheets. So for me, that was kind of the foundation of a lot of our success last season, being sort of really, really difficult to break down and sort of rarely giving away more than one goal and getting so many clean sheets. So I think three straight clean sheets is another massive positive. You've got Almiron off the mark, who obviously got double figures last season. Bruno's first goal of the season and, and that message to fans saying like I'm staying and stuff when he scored I know there's some really good videos on social media of that so Bruno not only getting the goal but being back to his best and about to sign a new contract I know 
Alexander Isaac, believe it or not, he'd only scored in one of his last 12 games, and that was when he got two against Villa. And that was a bit of a surprising stat to me. So, yeah, only only one game in his last 12, he'd actually got on the score sheet, but he obviously got a goal at the end. Longstaff getting amongst the goals, which Eddie Howe said after the game that he, he sees him as a goal scorer midfielder, and that was a, a nice finish and a well-timed run into the box. Burn getting getting a goal when fans have been on his back. Botman's first goal for Newcastle. Um, Lewis Hall's debut, some minutes for Tino Livramento. And uh, I thought Anderson as well. He uh, He's really grown into the team and um, really shown his worth as well, isn't he? So, yeah, there's just so many positives. It's an, and it's sort of a perfect end to a, to a brilliant week, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about the week ahead. So, I mean, we've got, obviously, City on Wednesday. Uh, you're going to do a little preview for that tomorrow, I think. Is that right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, and then we've got, moving into um, Burnley on Saturday, Burnley at home. We, you and me will be back for Thursday, Friday to record a preview for that. And then we're off to Paris Saint-Germain. Or we're not actually, they're coming to yeah, us. And we've got that on, they've got that on Tuesday, haven't we? So what Wednesday. a Wednesday. Wednesday, is it? Oh, I'm glad you're here. Otherwise it'd be completely. Yeah. Uh, so Man City, famous. Man City on Wednesday, that's on TV actually, which is good for anyone who can't go. And then Saturday at three o'clock, I think it's our first Saturday at three o'clock all season, is it? It feels like it. And then, yeah, next next Wednesday at St James is, is PSG. So three home PSG games in a row. Got uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So um, and and Burnley sandwiched in between Man City and PSG. So so yeah, it's another busy and busy week. But we're going into it absolutely flying now, aren't we? So that's that's just just what we needed. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the team we play on Wednesday, I guess, and um, ah, that's like how we're gonna balance the squad but anyway huge week ahead ollie will be with you tomorrow i will be back later in the week um but before we go we are of course going to do poll of the week twitter questions and fyi man each week we put out a poll in association with two polls what have you put out this week ollie well i was struck i mean there was so many things i could have asked this week i was kind of running out of options but after, after an 8-0 win but one thing that stood out after seeing all these callum wilson stats is is callum wilson the best striker we've had since alan Shearer? That was the question I put out. The options are yes, no, Demba Bar is. Option three is Alexander Izak. Option four is other. And I've asked people to comment who they think is the best striker since since Shearer. Mm. So basically, is it Wilson, Bar, Alexander Izak, or someone else? Okay. Um, all right. Uh, I think mm. when fit and firing, Callum Wilson is the best. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, Isak is obviously incredible. His all-round play is better, but as a centre forward, made to score goals, Callum Wilson and his minutes per, per goal shows this. Uh, he is he is the best, and his centre forward play is so good, running the channels. Yeah, you know, hassling defenders, just causing absolute chaos and carnage, and always seems to be in the right place to tap it in. Yeah, for me, for me, I, I realise there'll be other opinions on this. I don't think there's a right or wrong, really, but I think yeah, Callum Wilson is for me. I think it's one of those where, if I'm being honest, I think the higher level player is Alexander Rizak, and in time he could become that. But at the, at the yes. same time, you've got to—I mean, you, you said as much, really—but you've got to look at what they've produced so far. Um, yeah. And Callum Wilson is either—he's been getting double figures when we were battling relegation last season. He got 18 goals, and there was still—I mean, he, he had spells on the in, on the sidelines as well, or spells where he was rotating with Alexander Rizak. So, like you say, if you combine what he's given us over the years, if you if you look at how he's he's stepped up whenever he's needed to, um, his goals per game is only better uh, well, than Andy I, I, Cole. Yeah, I did a little tweet last night saying, since the start of last season in the Premier League, Wilson's had 22 starts and 14 sub-appearances, and he's got 22 goals. Yeah. 
Isak has had 23 starts, six sub appearances, and got 13 goals. So there is a in goals output. Wilson is quite far ahead. We've already said that. But I then said Isak has a more all round game, but Wilson is a goal machine when fit. You're right to say Isak might go on to prove that he's yeah. absolutely elite, and we hope he does. But right now, looking at what they've done for me, Wilson, and you yeah. know, it's five more goals. He's going to be the second ever highest Premier League goal scorer. And in a period, you know, Andy Cole was playing for us when we finished third. <laughs> you know, yeah, in a period yeah, exactly. where he was he was injured last season, and before that, we were rubbish. So, yeah, you know, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, he's brilliant. I, I think the thing is as well when you're asking who has been our best regular since Shearer, obviously Alexander Isak ability-wise may go on to be that, and we're probably hoping he will be when he's, he's the most expensive player we've ever signed. But in terms of who has been our best regular, as you say, there he's done it over the years. His goals to game record is incredible, and he's more than just a finisher. I know. He tends to be that fox in the box, but he can hold the ball up. He's actually added that to his game, I think, now, that he not only tries to run the channels, but to sort of maybe protect his legs. He's he's quite strong. He's, 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 I think he's bulked up a little bit from his Bournemouth days, and he's he can hold off defenders and he can link the play as well. So, um, so yeah, I think it's got to be Callum Wilson. I mean, not just for the sort of the stats we've mentioned, but he's got 52 goal involvements in 89 games for the club. And I've, I've just read as well there that only Erling Haaland and Harry Kane have scored more Premier League goals than Wilson since the start of last season. And uh, I think he's goals... Says, to, says it all, yeah. Yeah. I've looked as well. He's um, He scored a league goal every 82 minutes on average this year, and that's better than Haaland, Mbappe, Ossiemen, Kane, Salah, Benzema and Lewandowski. So, so there we go. Whether it's this season or what he's done over the years, I think it has to be Wilson. And the results reflect that, to be fair. I haven't got a, a vote yet from Toon Pulls. Must be having a busy okay. morning. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the results are, so 1.7% was other. There was an honourable mention for Papa Cissé in the comments, but I don't think he did it for long enough. There was a there was that spell where Cissé was unplayable, but then he kind of tailed off a bit. 13 uh, goals in 12 games or something. Yeah, yeah when crazy. we first got him. Um, then it this next was Denver Bar with fourteen point eight percent. To be fair, Denver Bar was brilliant, wasn't he? He just didn't do it for long enough. Um, next was Alexander Isak, sixteen percent, and then Callum Wilson, sixty eight percent. Think he's the best striker since Shearer. So, so yeah, pretty convincing win and well deserved, really, isn't it? Yeah, well deserved. And and look, you know, Isak came off the bench and lovely goal yet last night again. Uh, we're just so lucky to have two. <laughs> top strikers yeah. in our team you know it's yeah very lucky very lucky um and it works you know this season is going to work well into changing them like the back end of last season it worked well uh twitter questions i've got them in front of me because you've sent me them so let me read them out let me just get it up okay so dom at dlnufc underscore said this gordon completely changed the game when he came on would be interesting to see how the game panned out if he didn't come on so early but could Gordon become a victim of burnout now with Barnes, Willock, and Joe Linton um, out? Basically, is Gordon going to have to play every single game now? Everyone's out. What do you yeah, reckon? I mean, I can't lie. That is that is part of the worry with Barnes getting injured there because I did mention that with Willock and Joe Linton probably out until after the international break. I know Joe Willock definitely is. There isn't really many options on the left, is there? I mean, I think Could Anderson play there on Wednesday or something. Yeah, I mean, that is a good point. I think if we're looking at other options, Anderson has become more of a left-sided number eight and playing in a midfield three but you're right Anderson he, he shone at Bristol Rovers as a sort of winger you've got Alexander Isak who isn't at his best on the wing but did play there a bit last season and then I think Jacob Murphy's versatile enough to just come in and, and fill in where needed um, but at the same time some of them aren't ideal I mean you could argue is Elliot Anderson going to be needed in midfield because of the likes of Joe Linton and Willock being injured I know there's Tonali who can play there but we are a little bit stretched so it is a fair point I mean 
Gordon kind of needed that rest. Although, I mean, yes, he came in and was the best player on the pitch, but the only downside of that is that I was probably hoping that Gordon could have could have had a rest there. But in the end, it's probably worked well for him because his confidence will just go through the roof with that sort of performance. So, but yeah, I think that is a shame. Let's hope Barnes isn't going to be out for any length of time because we are we are light on options there, aren't we? And, and sort of, yes, we could move Anderson there. Yes, we could move Isaac wide, but then then that leaves us sort of... Uh, threadbare up top and in midfield. So, so yeah, let's hope Gordon does hold up. I know he's got much fitter and he's just come back razor sharp, hasn't he, from the summer. But I think it is a fair question to say, will, will he burn out there if we haven't got the options? So hopefully, yeah, we can we can sort of find uh, solutions and rotate a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, what what Ollie said. Um, Paul Livingston, at P Livingston 2. Uh, thanks for your question again, Paul. I know he sent one in before. What did you make of Anderson's performance yesterday? You've kind of touched on it, but I just thought it was accomplished Premier League performance. I thought, yeah, he, he you know, he, he doesn't look out of place. He doesn't, you know, he fits into the team well. He he made a few really progressive moves and passes and stuff. I thought he was great. I think he looks really tough as well. I mean, sometimes you see you see sort of young players coming at the Premier League and physically they're not quite up to it and they're a bit naive. And early on, when he first played sort of minutes last season, he maybe did try a little bit hard, but I think he's too hard. But he's he's matured a little bit. I think physically he's stronger. And whether it's the way he can ride challenges or go into sort of 50-50s and come out on top, he draws a lot of fouls. Um, and he's just, yeah, he's, 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 he's looking at home in the team, isn't he? He doesn't look like a sort of naive youngster who's picking the wrong pass or um, or anything like that. So, yeah, I was really impressed with Anderson. And I think it's a massive, it's been massive for him in some respects that Joe Linton and Willock have got these injuries because he's been able to come into the team and um, get real experience, whether it's Premier League, sort of back-to-back Premier League games against Brentford and Sheffield or appearing at the San Siro last week. So, so yeah, he's he's really developing nicely in the team, isn't he? And physically, I think he's really impressive. Yeah, yeah, so do I. Um, so, and he's going to get, we can already tell, can't we, with our fixture, he's going to get a lot of game time, which is great for him yeah, definitely. Uh, this season. Right, let's go to FYI, man. I am testing you, Ollie, this time. Ooh. Let's put the, put the dramatic music there. There we go. So, um, this is a bit of a short one. But uh, let me just get it up. Okay, so are you ready? <clears throat> ready. Newcastle. Auxerre. Fulham. And uh, to commemorate uh, the Champions League uh, game next week, Paris Saint Germain. Newcastle. So I'll say it again. Yep, Newcastle. Fulham. Fulham, Auxerre, and Paris Saint-Germain. Interesting Play along mix. at home. Play along at home. Yeah, interesting mix. Say it again. Who has played for all these teams? Newcastle, Fulham, Paris Saint-Germain, and Auxerre. Now, if you're Ooh, struggling, Ollie, mm, Good. <laughs> I can give you a clue if you need one. So let me know if you need one. I'm trying. I'm wondering. Like, I'm. I'm struggling with the Fulham bit, and then I'm sort of thinking, is this like? I don't want to say before my time, but like, I'm wondering when he played for Newcastle. Mm. Well, I can. I can uh, exclusively reveal to you and anyone listening at home. If you don't want a clue, click pause and you can play along. He is, and this was in commemoration of our 50th episode. He's now 50. All oh, right. So he probably played for us about 20 years ago, when I was about seven or eight. Yeah. Right, I'm, but, so I'm guessing he's French. I'm guessing he's French. He's played for two French teams, and I think, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. So I'm gonna say he's French. 
He is French, correct. He's 50 now. There's one player he... coming to mind okay. who I think played for Fulham, and I know he's French. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think he played for Newcastle very long. Um, Alan Goma. Correct. Oh, wow. Well done. And he Honestly, is 50 I, years old now for our 50th episode. Well done. That's impressive. When I guessed that, I can't lie. I was thinking this could be badly wrong, but I got the feeling he had played for Fulham. But do you know what? When he played for Newcastle, well, I think when he played for Newcastle, I would have been pretty young and at the point where I don't really remember him. But that was a wild guess. I can't lie. I got lucky there. There we go. Alain Gomar. Yeah. Um, obviously, Newcastle and Paris Saint-Germain. I could have gone for Sylvian Distan, who obviously played for both. And he played for Everton as well, and Man City, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yes, Alain Gomar is 50 years old for our 50th episode. And he played for Paris Saint-Germain to commemorate our game next week. So oh, nicely done. Will, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's all right. No, well done. <laughs> Everyone, uh, we're going to be back tomorrow. We're not we. Ollie's going to be back tomorrow with a preview of the Man City game with any team news he's, he gathers and stuff like that. And then we'll be back later in the week. We hope you enjoy your day, your couple of days, basking in the glow of an 8-0 away Premier League victory against Sheffield United. It has got rid of the naysayers. It's all positivity. Let's crack on and thrash Man City, Burnley and Paris Saint-Germain. And, then, uh, and then, then, uh, then we'll be happy. So thank you very much for listening. Follow us on Twitter. Get in touch if you want. Ollie, say goodbye. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you later. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.